So Joel, I noticed that you have some furniture here and uh, I was complimenting you on this furniture because I thought that it, it resembled a kind of like Mad Men thing. Yeah, like or Danish so, modern. Yeah, it's like Danish modern well, stuff. Yeah, it's two coffee tables that we're sitting that we're doing the podcast from that you've never seen before. That's right. Exactly. And uh, and then you revealed that it's actually from Ikea. <laughs> right, which, and yeah. It's so I, 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 my theory is that in, in New Orleans, if you were running for mayor, if you wanted to become elected and win the white female vote, you could just run on the platform of getting an Ikea to come to New Orleans. Right. You get and if, if you were able to do that, then you would win all of the white female vote just right there because we don't have an Ikea. Just like that. Even though, even though, oddly enough, the second you found out this furniture is Ikea, its value in your eyes diminished to just a shit. No, it's just crap. You know? <laughs> exactly. It's just like Sino-Danish connection thing going on here that's made by slave labor somewhere in... Zhangjing, yep, China. But we had an IKEA where, where I used to live in Portland, and and, it, and those people flocked to it. So you're right. I think number one on the list for the mayor is, is IKEA, promising an IKEA in New Orleans. Somewhere in the twenties is like expanding the airport to yeah. increase international travel. Oh no, that's way down the Cause, list, man. Because people don't give. I mean, when you really think about it, you give a fuck, but not in your not when you're just ready to go out and vote. No, you want some. But if it begs the question, though, if, if, okay, you got, if you're that candidate and you're targeting those white females, uh, how do you get the white male market, you know? That's right. And, and I mean, what we got? We already got the Superdome. But it's kind of, it's not as accessible as, say, an Ikea. But uh, what I was thinking of is we were talking earlier when we were just kind of setting up to do this, uh, an angle on strip clubs. Do you, do you go to strip clubs here? I have been to s- several strip clubs in, in and around New Orleans. Do you share my opinion that like the, the strip clubs for Club, me Club here... Club Chichis, okay. by the way. Have you been to that one? I have not. See, I've only done the French Quarter uh, strip clubs, and I don't like them. They just kind of have that... And they've got the really bad lighting, and a lot of them have these really gross, weird buffets. Yeah. But the biggest Not problem, good. the biggest problem is that girls are wearing a lot of clothing right. for a strip club. They're wearing panties. They can't be bottomless. And that, that, that's astounding to me. I, it freaks me out a little bit. Because East Vermoosey used to go to Club Shishis because it was all black. Oh, nice. It was all, it was, and we were the only white guys there. That's cool. Scarmooze is good. You know, he, he, he moves in. And he's like, you know, he, he got us in and everything, and it was all good. Man. The dancers are all black, plus all the clientele. Not all of the clientele, but I can tell you that we were definitely in the minority. Yeah. Yeah. How exactly. was it? Like, not a lot of people are, like, heading out to Club Chi-Chi's. Not a lot of white guys. Yeah. You know, but, yeah, we went. We went a couple of times. And uh, how was it? It was fantastic. Man. Yeah. It it's Club me, like, roll in. Where is that? Club Shishis is New or- in New Orleans East on uh, on Chef Mature. Okay, because there was that music club. I'm spacing the name that that me and my friends used to go to. It was a jazz club, um, way out Napoleon when broad, way out broad. Um, I'm thinking about how we got up there from Uptown back when we were pretty young. You talking well, about Bullets? Maybe. No, it's older than that. Broad, Broad Street. Way that, out on Broad in one direction toward New Orleans East. Yeah. And uh, we were always the only white dudes in there. 
right. always. And we used right. to, and we were, that's back when we were staying up by Tulane or whatever. And it just felt like yeah. it was, took a half an hour to get out there. And uh, it'd be fun to experience that in a, in a uh, erotic dance environment. Well, it is, and, and we should go sometime. I'm in. So but I can tell you this, at Club Chi-Chi's too, still the same problem exists, is that the girls, they have all of their clothes on. What? <clears throat> what? No, I mean... Oh. All? The, they, they've got... They're showing their titties. Well, I... It might as well be all. That, was a, that, was, a, that was a poor way of me <laughs> saying that... It, in terms of stripperdom, right. they have all of their clothes. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I don't, look, mean, I don't mean everything. Let's I take mean, let's take it out of the dance world for one second. So I, I want to get back to this political point because sure, it is, I think it is a good one. But from a personal perspective, people always ask, "Are you an ass man? Are you a tit man?" Right. Uh, I, I'm like, hey, there's a third answer. I'm a vagina man, motherfucker. You're a vagina. Guy. I'm all about the vagina, and and, right. and meaning that the vagina has got to be. I have high standards for the vagina. You know, I mean, I've definitely been interested in a woman before, got to the vagina. Mm. One time I just kicked the girl out of bed before we even had sex. You did? Just once. Uh, but a lot of times I've, I've definitely been in relationships where I just felt like I can't. Too much labial flappage? That's been a part of it. That's like the, maybe the most gross is. You know, the, the grossest example that I've had. I don't mean gross in this. I mean the strongest example that I've had. <laughs> uh, but, um, and then just there's a certain, like, uh, when they're really good, that's the thing. When there's just a really nice, flowery kind of shit. You know, it's just, they're, they're all so different. Everyone is so wildly and remarkably and, different. And, and so lovely. It's so, it's like magic. It really, it's a, so... To be able to go on a, to go on a strip club and you've got all these girls, and by and large, yeah, titties look different too, but not one half of them are fake. It's just it just bums me out. So, when I'm running for mayor, number one priority, IKEA, we're gonna make it happen. Number two, we're gonna put, we're gonna go get some some people from Portland who run strip clubs out there, and we're gonna. Have them come in here where they have like these conceptual strip clubs. Maybe we'll talk about it in a second. We're gonna put them outside their French Quarter. We're gonna put them like in Bayou Saint John by my house. Right <laughs> over here. Yeah, like a couple yeah, blocks. Yeah, just from a my couple house. blocks right here. I don't want it. Orleans. I don't and want it less Moss than Street. I don't want it less than two blocks. I don't want it more than four. Right next to the Mission Way Baptist Church. That's right. We're gonna put it right next to there. Yeah. So we right. Get a little convenience store across the street. The ideal. We'll gut it. Yes. Right? That'll be the place. And we'll still call it the ideal. It'll be the ideal. That's, God. So, oh, my God. The Bible Way. The Bible Way Missionary Baptist Church. That's what it's called. Yeah. yeah. And it's got the, uh, the speakers on the outside so that when the preaching's happening, you can hear it within blocks. I know. I live two blocks from there. Yeah, there you go, man. And uh, I use that as an as a iconic point of direction when people are getting to my house. Turn, turn Just it, as a turn tangent, can I tell you that I used to live on St. Anne? Like less than a block from Bible Way Missionary Baptist Church. Get out of here. I swear to God, dude, on St. Anne Street, just right up here, right? In this very block right here, like in, on this side of the street, right. on St. Anne. And um, I, was, uh, I was trying to get laid one yeah. night, you know? This great girl, man. She was fabulous, right? Uh -huh. So I brought her back to my pad. And <laughs> as I was going in, 
there was a yellow police tape and police cars outside my house. Okay. Right? And I was like, what the fuck is going on? So I pull up to my house, and there's also a camera crew that's there from like WDSU or something like that or WVUE. Yeah. And I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. What is going on? But anyway, I, uh, I lift up the tape so that she can go underneath it. Yeah. Because I'm like, I don't know what happened here. Some kind of horrific crime. But I, I still need to get my news. Of course. So I don't know what you guys are doing or why you've blocked off the entrance to my apartment with, with this yellow tape. Right. But uh, I'm coming in. Well, can I, can I say come something? To, come but, to find out. Yeah. Come to find out this. The woman next door was a hooker. Okay. And she was she was hooking out of her house. And she had this beau, this uh, John, right, and who fancied himself as her real boyfriend. And he was, like, from Homa, Louisiana or something right. like that. I talked to him a couple of times. And apparently, she was doing some business. And he got jealous. And he came over, and he knocked on the door, and... This guy answers the door and he's like, what are you doing, man? And the guy's like, what are you doing with your girlfriend? And uh, they had words. And then he, he like punches the guy in the face. As if he punched me in the face, right? Goes in the back, grabs his gun, comes back, <laughs> shoots the guy and kills him. Right next door to where I live. And they felt that was enough to warrant one of them yellow tape things. Jeez. Imagine that. Well, Imagine that. can and I just then, say this? And then the irony of ironies. Here's the, here's yeah. the capo. Icing on the cake is I get a phone call from my folks yeah. who live on the North Shore who saw it on TV. <laughs> and they're like, what happened? And so your parents are cock-blocking you too. So my parents are calling me, and I'm like, I don't want to tell my mom. Well, you know, Mom, what, this is what happened. And, and this is like life in New Orleans. Right. right? It's like, here's what happened. A woman... There was a whore who lived <laughs> next door to me. <laughs> and, and her jealous lover got murdered. And that was standing in the way briefly of me trying to get laid right. that night. But you and got you laid. saw the car that you recognized as mine in the story. Because and, and I would was, not be stopped. And now you're, you're frightened. Because you're like, oh my God, New Orleans is crazy and there's all this crime and everything. And something crazy happened next door to me. But I was less concerned with the murder than I was with what it would say to my date at the time. But she was cool enough yeah. as a chick that, she, that it actually like amplified yeah. the situation and made it more likely. Because it was like danger. She likes crime scene sex. She's one of those girls. She was that girl. I mean, the other so, thing. So that, I know it's a total tangent. The other, well, the other thing I love you could have. Story, you know, the the like, other thing you could have explained to your mom was that, mom, don't worry, my car would have been nowhere near that scene if I wasn't trying to get laid. I mean, I'm smart enough for that, you know. But she was hot. And I guess the other thing too with that crime tape, that what it means is you can't enter a crime scene. It needs to be something stronger. It's like you can't go in your house and get laid. So you did that. It needs to be like a different color or something. It needs to be that like orange mesh stuff. You know what I mean? You know, to stop you, it would need to be more like 
a poison chemical emitting barbed wire. Yeah, that's right. That's what they need to put up. Yeah, that, would, that would stop me. So let's say we put this, uh, okay, so we got the strip club here, and then we put another yeah. one uptown, whatever. We pepper them throughout the city, and only those four or five strip clubs, bottomless. Yeah, four, four or five licenses that's that right. are available. Joel Jackson Mayor. That's right. Right? And uh, they bid for the license. Yep. Uh, of course, it's the, we, the, we review to... par- the review process is a gold panel. That's right. With the mayor as the chairman of the <laughs> That's board. That's right, with total veto power. Right? Exactly. So uh, the conceptual design and everything has got to be presented. That's right. Right? In order to get... It's not just about getting the panties off. It's also just about creating an atmosphere that's not just like every other strip club, you know. And I, I, I have good experience with this because I, I lived in Portland for a while, and um, my favorite strip club was more like I used to like to call it the Snake and Jakes of strip clubs because mm. it was a dive bar, and right. about as big as that, you right. know. But then there's also like a vegan strip bar where it's vegan strippers, <laughs> vegan food, and Poontang for sale or rent. Uh, can, can I posit something about that? I don't yeah. know anything about Oregon history, yeah. but I'm just thinking that on on on, it's really kind of a miracle of pragmatic uh, analysis and implementation. Okay, because I, I can only imagine that the, the bottomless thing comes out of the kind of rednecky lumberjack culture of logging. The logging industry. I don't know. It comes you out know? of. I mean, because Portland is. It, it comes it, out of a Western independent it's a spirit. Town, isn't it? No, in well, a lot of ways. No. It was. It was at one point, but it's not. I mean, Portland still is identifying. We don't want to talk too much about Portland, but it's in it's in its infancy as a, as a city right now in a community, and no one there that lives there has lived there more than ten years, by and large. You know. Um, well, where does this bottomless thing come from? And like, why is it, why is it allowed there? Because it's logical, and that's what what Portland does is they're 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 spirit they're 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 independent thinkers, and that does come from Wild West lumberjack mentality. What's left over from that part of that state's history, and that's so still happening outside. With that. It's still happening outside of Portland, the lumberjack right. stuff and all that. Sure, but, sure. But that independent spirit of ain't nobody going to tell us what to do, especially the federal government. And it's not, that's not just coming from rednecks. That's coming from, that's a liberal way of thinking out there, that we are smart enough to make our own rules. And it's not like this big right, it's not, it's not, it's not a, a right-wing posit, you know, to, to think that way, to think that we can figure this out ourselves. And it doesn't make sense to have panties on strippers. So the girls, it just doesn't make sense. The, it doesn't make sense. So the girls are completely naked. Right. They can get on you. No, you know, the, the Magic Garden that I mentioned, it's a small stage, and you've got two dancers there for any given night, and they just share it. They go one after another. They go intermittently, you know? And they're usually shaved and kind of gothic, but not too much. You'll see some tats in there, and then you'll see some clitoris piercings and stuff. Clitoris piercings, labia piercings. <laughs> there might be a clit piercing in there. I, didn't I, never, I never saw one of those, That's, but I definitely saw the labia piercings. And But what they'll do, the interesting thing is it's very intimate because it's this tiny place, like as big as my living room. And, you know, you'll have 15, you have 15 people at the bar, not even look with their backs to the, to the stage. You'll have a couple of people playing pool, maybe four or five people at the stage. 
And that girl's giving those four or five guys so much attention. And the, the thing that was always astonishing to me and also somewhat kind of felt awkward was they would do these acrobatic moves and they'd come over the rail. And I swear to you, they're, they're, they'd put their vagina about an inch from your eyeballs and nose and, not, and leave it there and then start doing moves with their legs and their ass. And like they'd come at you from like a doggy style kind of position. You know what I mean? And they're, they're just, it's insanely. It's, like doggy style? So they would back into you? They'd back into you. They would back into Sometimes. You. And sometimes they would kind of do like a, a, what do you call it? Interesting. The, the shell, the, what am I thinking of? The I don't know. wheelbarrow. They'd, they'd oh, do the like a wheelbarrow, wheelbarrow yeah, up into yeah, you too. Right. And then, but then other than that, it's no different. I mean, I definitely, if you spend $20 and get a private dance, which is just like two feet back to the stage <laughs> with a little curtain, uh, they would get all up over you and, and, and absolutely, I mean, I did it the night before I moved back to New Orleans. Somebody took me over there just for like eight o'clock. It wasn't even, and we were going to get drinks afterwards. We just stopped by there and one of them bought me the 20, because I'm not that into this stuff, but whatever. Yeah. I, I never went to strip clubs anywhere else I ever lived, but, but it was different out there. And this girl was basically giving me a hand job through my jeans. You know what I mean? So they were, they definitely, and I don't know if that's kind of a regular thing or not. And that's not what I'm, as, as a mayoral candidate, that's not what I'm promising people. I'm just saying that if you have a Louisiana license, you can get into one of these five licensed clubs where they ain't got no panties. But if you don't have a Louisiana license, you can't get in. Hmm. Interesting. That's it. Yeah, that's the deal. And each, each bar will be kind of reflective and concept of the neighborhood that it's in. And the culture that's in that neighborhood, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. I think it's a good idea. And, and, and you know, I, I'm just disappointed in New Orleans that, that we would be somehow outdone by, uh, I mean, of all places. Particularly when it comes Oregon, to vice. Particularly when it comes to vice. Like, how could we be outdone on any level I, by I'm, another town? Especially, like, I mean, Portland is, I mean, this is just like. PC capital. Portland's you know? tame. Portland is where you go, like, uh, for a lot of years I would go back and forth on a regular basis between the two cities and kind of living in both cities. And it was like cultural whiplash, and I'd go there, you know, I'd get healthy when I'm there, yeah, you know? Yeah, right, right. But, um, but also there'd be some poon. Yeah, a lot, a lot, lots of it. And, and, and you know, it's not, it's, not, it's not a PC place. It is just like an independent thinking place hmm. of very smart people. And therefore... Because they don't get their feelings hurt too much in a PC way. But they're also not racist because they're just smart. You know? But, uh... So, yeah, that's... We'll, we'll draw that up when it's time to run for mayor. Yeah, yeah. We'll Ikea, bottomless strip clubs. I think that's good. And uh, that'll be the platform. And you yeah. can run. And uh, we'll see how far that gets. Yeah. You up for campaign managing? Sure. Okay. Why not? Dude, this morning I was wanting to, oh, God, we had, had friends in last week for the Final Four, which yeah. was in New Orleans, plus yeah. Jesse Shows came in kind of independently. Sure. And we'll get to some of this stuff from last weekend in a minute, because it was a crazy weekend, Louisiana Derby and lots of fun stuff. But this was my first time to, like, sleep in. Barely got any sleep for the last, like, seven, eight days. We were talking about this. When your guests leave, when, they, when I had my last guest leave on Thursday, I just I felt like I just did a shot of, like, heroin mixed with coke i was just so excited you know even though i was pretty sleep deprived but that feeling of having your house back and 
and whatever is good. But I still wasn't able to catch up on my sleep until today. And I got a text from a friend of mine, like at 9, I was hoping to sleep till 11. So that sucked. But the text was from my friend. I'm kind of glad it did because it was this kind of funny experience. Uh, a friend of mine was running in the Crescent City Classic, which is like the 10K that like it starts in the quarter and sure. like at yeah. City Park. Yeah, it's the classic New Orleans race. Yeah. It's been around for years, I don't know, 30 or 40 years yeah. or something like that. It's a running race. I knew, I knew this particular friend was running in it. And uh, this is how out of it I was, like two hours short of the sleep that I wanted. Um, she texted, oh, my God, I won the race. And I'm like, holy shit. I didn't even say I almost typed, are you kidding? But I thought maybe it. that would be rude. Instead, I just said, fucking rock star. Unbelievable. Oh and, I, and, I, and I just said, wow, congratulations. <laughs> and she's like, look, I didn't think she beat a bunch of Kenyans, okay? I just thought there was some division that was like skinny white girl blonde division between the age of 30 and 36. Did she think that your answer to her because you were texting it back to her was also being snarky? No, she was like, dumbass. Yeah, right. she caught on to that right away. Just right away, she's like, dude, what the fuck? What's your, she's like, you your bought problem? that? Right. Oh, my God. Uh, I think Smart she, girl. She, well, she wasn't even trying to. I think that was her entree because she needed a ride. So she wasn't, she wasn't like, oh, I'm going to fuck with Joel. She's just like, I need to text Joel to get a ride back to my bike, which I left at the start of the race in the French Quarter. So I'll just, if I got to text him something, I'll just text him, hey, I won. She was, she was kind of like, you know what I meant? I just felt like a winner because now I'm drinking free beer at the finish line, which is cool about, about New Orleans. And I mean, a lot of these races around the country now have beer gardens and stuff sure. after the race. But like only, you know, New Orleans has had the free beer thing rocking forever and and the other funny thing about it when I was checking it out was that, um, you know, all these races uh, at the end will have like bananas and chips and cliff bars and shit. And in New Orleans, it's red beans and rice and jambalaya. And that's what they got for you at the end of the race. I know. And then the funny thing is, as we're pulling around and heading out, there's still, and this is definitely only in New Orleans, there's a whole contingency. I mean, I know there are drinking races out in the world, so don't fucking get your panties in the wad but there's only like some there aren't any real races where not you get your our listeners if we have any y'all the mm. universe you don't get your panties in the wad because you run the shamrock 6k that's a, a bar to bar race or whatever right but i mean it's a real race and there's all these people that have been drinking beer and carrying coolers for the entire fucking race and in costume there was a guy dressed as jesus christ tomorrow tomorrow, tomorrow's easter day before the resurrection sure um, but uh, so that was that was pretty fun. But uh, do you do you, you ever done any of these races? No, I never have. I my only experience with them is is the traffic issues that they cause. Yeah, constantly. Right. You know, and uh, I don't know, man. I I went to one a couple of years ago. There was there was some kind of race. It was like the rock and roll marathon. Yeah. No, no, no. It was a triathlon. It was on Esplanade Avenue. I don't know why I stopped, and then like people were on the sidelines, and they're they're like cheering the people on. Go, man, dude. Yeah, dude. You know, and uh, yeah. it's a little uh, it's a little weird because because you would assume that having having entered a contest like that that you that go and you're gonna make it, man, and keep it up are all things that you have in your mind at the beginning of the race 
yeah, and throughout your, the race. You got your music on. And, and that would be the reason why you entered it in the first place. <laughs> so yeah. for me, it always seems a little condescending, you know? And then it's like, it's okay just to like clap or to like volunteer to give somebody a freaking water yeah. or something like that, which is, which is really fine, you know? Because that's really what a person's like craving. Because at the point that they're completely exhausted, they they're not even absorbing what you're saying. Well, you bring actually. up such a good point, Jeff, because I uh, that's was, has been my experience. I've done a few of these races. There was just a little while where I was running, doing long distance running, like a year or so, and I entered some of these like half marathons and shit. And the reason I don't do it anymore is because of this weird social obligation that runners have in these races, and it's not just like the people on the sidelines yelling out support the other runners on the track like you're jetting around somebody nice job buddy a guy who's running keep it up and i'm an asshole because i'm not going to say a word to this dick and i'm the asshole i don't like why that. are you I making me i don't like that pressure let me, let me ask you this i don't like the pressure how it's not look it, it really is this constant keep it up how you doing go ahead i expect something back Let's have, it's like eight words of stupid banter. Why, it's like, you wouldn't want that in any part of your life, would you? Why on a, I don't mind saying hello to my bank teller, but, you know, then let's get down to business, but I'm running a goddamn race. Yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine that you're, you're, I mean, again, it gets back to your own motive, you know. Isn't that why you, and I, I mean, I don't, well, I wouldn't enter those races because, uh, let me, let me be, be, because of what you're saying. Yeah. Like, oh, you know what the anticipation is for me? The yeah. great part of the entire thing is camaraderie. I, is is the those fans on the sidelines who are saying patronizing things the entire time. It's the other runners too. It's not just the fans. The and, other runners the, are talking to each other. Runners. That's yeah. what we're, they're having. Runners are having little polite conversations with each other as they're running, and it's part of the etiquette of the race. You know what's a good thing? When I was in high school, I was a swimmer. And the great thing is that your ears are in the water right? most of the time. So you can't really hear all that crap. You well, know? And, and so yeah. you're, you're just kind of, you're, you're just motivated by your own. You just got to win, man. Yeah. You got to like, or you got to finish and, you know. And you get to the same place as a runner. I mean, uh, the reason that I ran is because I, I want to be up in my own head. And I want to get into a zen place. And you get into your own head by first focusing on what your body's doing because you're trying to perform. But at some point, you have this nice little flow thing where suddenly you're released from your body and you're just all up in your head. And you're not, and, and it's, an, it's, it's, you know, runner's high. I mean, that's what you're doing it for. Sure. You right. know? And how am I going to get that if I'm having to fucking fulfill stupid social obligations every five seconds? Yeah, you're not. So that's why, that's why I don't do it. And then just before we move on, my third. My third thing on my mayoral candidate agenda. And this is a little weird because it takes mystical powers, I think. Mm. But I'm going to go ahead and throw it out because mm. there might be enough people who believe in mystical powers to pull in some of those votes. Okay, what you got? I say that we take the meaningless, stupid commentary, banter uh, that happens at these competitive races. Hey, how you doing? Thank you, sir. Bye, me. You're doing great. Like you, love you. Keep going. You got this. You're the best. I'm trying to hear the nice stride. You take that banter, and you drop it 
on the New Orleans DMV. All right? So you drop the, me, the, the stupid little banter there over there in that universe, in that world. Mm. And, then, and, then, and then, I'm not done, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of those movies where the people, or the father and the son, they jump in each other's bodies. Yeah, a Freaky Friday. Yeah, it's a Freaky Friday uh, mm-hmm. corollary. So and then I'm going to take the cold, disaffected, rude, not mincing words thing that's happening in the DMV, and I'm just dumping it on the competitive racing. And that's it. That's it. And we're done. Right. Yeah, you know, uh, what what comes to mind is like the lone Russian athlete training in the frozen Siberian tundra. Yes. You know, something like that. Words not necessary. Something like that. Yeah. I like that, but I, I do, that is good. But I also like the surliness that you get from the girl at the DMV. Well, then that's like surly. I yeah. want to be able to give that surliness to Maybe a runner next to like me. Maybe they're sneering. Yeah. You know, that's, like, I want to snarl. You, why are you doing this? Why are you bothering me with this race? Why? You're so slow. Totally slow. <laughs> You'll never win. <laughs> exactly. Like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't even know why you're running. You're going to be fat in 10 years. Totally freaking, I mean, it's reverse psychology. Yeah. As I'm thinking about you it look, right now, you look really de- you look really dehydrated. <laughs> As I'm thinking about it right now, I'm getting angry and more motivated. You I'm look, practically motivated you look like, to run right now. You look like you look like you have nipple rash. <laughs> yeah, fuck you. <laughs> it would be like this little passive aggressive thing if you're going to communicate. Right, that's all right, it is. Exactly, and it's like watch the times improve. I'm not quite sure why you're even out here. You know, that's that's what I'm saying to someone as I'm running by them. Mm-hmm. I'm running by them. I don't understand why you're here. Your your form. Have you seen someone about your form? Because they have those video. They have those places where they'll video your form. I'm saying this as I'm running by. I slow down and I look them up and down. Yeah, you, you give you, them the over. You know they have the running shops <laughs> where they, they video your form because I don't know. You look a little bow legged. <laughs> that would be just fucking great. God, that's the world I want to live in. There you go. There you go. So, uh, Unfortunately, it's not the real world. The real world, though, is pretty good right now because it's springtime in New Orleans. Ugh. And, you know, springtime anywhere is good, but springtime here, holy cow. Yeah, it's nice. You were telling me the other day about just Jeff owns uh, the Lost Love Lounge. So you're, 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 pro- you're a little more out and about and social than I am these days. And you, you were just telling me about the plethora of ladies that have been buzzing around you yeah yeah totally there there's um in and amongst the ones that i'm eyeballing there's there's just this constant flow of new faces that are coming by the lounge all the time yeah and uh, you know they're just they're just gorgeous and they're they're dressed in their spring finery uh one of them last night and they they're young you know so they they like they they're just goofily like uh gosh i don't even know how to describe their hormones are, are are raging yeah they're raging out of control what's and the you, science you know on my that buddy uh andy right yeah you know my buddy yeah, yeah, andy. Yeah. And photographer the, yeah yes so andy was there last night uh-huh and uh 
you know, this girl, I don't know how this even culminated, but we're, we're, we're sitting outside, and there's this Teach for America group that came by. Yeah. You know, there's like 20 or 30 of these, like, Teach for America types. And they're in there, and, uh, you know, man, these girls, they got the high-heeled shoes on and everything. They look great. And uh, this one young one that uh, she's outside, and she was describing, you'll love this too, man. It's like she was, uh, you know, because people always project what they believe about New Orleans onto New Orleans from wherever they're from. Gotcha. Like, right? well, give me an example. Well, it's, yeah. I, I, I will. Like, she's like, I'm like, in, in, in the, like, for instance, h- how you could arrive at the conclusion that, like, New Orleans people are just super laid back people. They're super laid back and nice, right? <laughs> no, and it's no, like no, the not. murder capital of America. You know? right. And it, I mean, it doesn't make any fun. It's like we're the city that uh, of that's left over with the 70s mentality right. still. You know, it's like it's not like that. There's like gangsterism going on in New Orleans all the time. It's like it's it's cantankerous and contentious absolutely and, and god man people are get get vicious because it's hard we've talked about this on the side but it's hard it, this, this isn't they call it the big easy but it's hard to live here it's it just, is there's a, a lot of obstacles of reasons yeah but it's a great anyway but it, i understand why because like you know you i mean look at her you know she's just like a she's a beautiful young young lady right you know and and of course yeah she's a Oh, everybody's so nice and laid back. Oh, so your your male uh, encounters have been all like that's right, really favorable. Of course, they're all just fawning over. Look you, at you know, your brack. Look at you. You know, you look right. great. Right. And, uh, and right. anyway, but here's the funny thing is that she 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 kept wanting to juxtapose her. She's from South Carolina. Okay. Now or. You, what do you call it? South Cackalacka. South Cackalacka. South Cackalacka. That's right. I'm from North Cackalacka. I know you're from North Cackalacka. I know one other person from two other people from South Carolina. So, I've never heard this. This mythology about South Carolina has never been forwarded before. South Carolinians are tough people. That's and, and that's so, insane. So I know it's insane. She, so she's juxtaposing that against her projected uh, uh, perception. So she got of, beat of New Orleans. Did she get no, beat? No, no. And so maybe she, in South Carolina she got beat. That's what I'm saying. She's projecting those experiences. It could have been. It could have been. Yeah, yeah. Right. And she's like, I tend to hang out with guys and this and that. And she's like, and I like to. Uh, I mean, she was drunk. All right. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. She, but but it's like she's just talking about it guys she hangs out with and that she's into MMA fighting and all this kind of stuff and so my buddy Andy's there Andy's 62 right you know and uh, and she goes uh, and I can I can show you and I don't know why but she fixated on Andy okay and she said I have this move the oh, bicep no. choke oh no and so before Andy knows it like this girl Oh, no. And she puts him in a bicep choke. And Andy is a diminutive dude. I mean, not only is he 62, but he's got a slight frame, et cetera. But but with surprising strength, man. Sinewy. Andy can freaking throw a ball, man. Ah. Andy can toss a freaking ball. Okay. Man, I I mean, you would be shocked. I would be shocked because he doesn't carry himself. 
as if he could. He doesn't know, but he does the yoga and everything uh, all the time. Oh, he's got good know, core. Like, core right. strength. Yeah, he's a good core. Anyway, so check it out. So, but she puts the bicep choke on him. Yeah. And she keeps saying, it's so funny. I put the bicep choke on you. It's funny because you oh can't breathe. God. Oh, my God. It's funny because you can't breathe. And Andy says, uh, you know, oh, don't, don't touch me anymore. <laughs> Stop touching me. <laughs> I swear to God, dude. Stop touching me. Don't, don't touch me anymore. You're beautiful. I know. I know. You're a lovely girl. <laughs> don't touch me. That's so funny. That's how far your, how far your looks get you, that you just chokehold this guy. And he does muster up to say, don't touch me. But he's still like, no, you're great. The funny thing is she kept wanting to do it again. Ugh. I think because she wanted what she wanted to prove is that this chokehold prevents you from breathing and therefore will knock you out. Right. And I can knock this guy out. Right. You know, but she's picking the like the oldest guy. Right. There. And she's like, all right, now yeah, I'm going to show it on. It, it was such a weird psychological mind fuck. Right. That was going on with this chick. And she just she would not stop. She kept insisting over and over again. That's depressing. You know? That's depressing. It, it was, that took all that took all the wind out of our sails going into springtime, beautiful ladies. I mean, out of, it made me depressed. I mean, in the sense of, like, wow, I forgot that just because it's springtime and their hormones are firing off and they're beautiful, they're still fucking nuts. A lot of them. I know. It's That's just, what you have to remember it's as total, a guy. I, I know. So and, your, your story is well taken. I mean, and my, my friend Alvin was there too, you know. And, yeah. And, and and he's on the side. And he's like, and of course they're like not not you know she's like he's a little scary about Alvin you right. know and he's like good <laughs> and uh, and then he and he looks at her and he and then he looks at me and he goes she's the one that you're not gonna want to be with tomorrow morning <laughs> good call Alvin <laughs> you're not you're not gonna want to be with that you know how and it, and it was so positive, proof positive. That's right. From years of experience yeah. that, that he's like, it's a type yeah. cut out from a cookie cutter. That's right. And you don't want to wake up to that. You tomorrow. don't want to wake up to this, no. man, because this is going to be an emotional freaking disaster area yeah. tomorrow morning. You know, and it's just like if you're asserting that like South Carolina is filled with tough people and that you're some tough chick. And she did say that she referenced herself as tough. Right, and the hilarious things I just I just kept thinking about kneecapping her. Yeah, you know, while I was there, and it's like, and just her <laughs> like like crying on the ground. Was it like kind you of know? impulse like the whole thing where you don't want to like jump off the bridge when you're walking by it or whatever? It's that I kind guess of impulse. It is. I mean, that's the death impulse. This is the hurt you impulse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and right. and, and I'm like, it, it was there, and it's just like God, you know, just uh, think what would happen. Like this, this all this raw ego would turn into. Desperate, a desperate need for daddy. Just you know, like with, that. With in in with one action yeah. that caused like a, you know some kind of dire injury. You know, even if it wasn't that bad, if it was just like you know like you whacked her on the freaking chin. Yeah, and just and took it, her. Yeah. And it hurt bad, real bad. Or made her just make know? her buckle. Yeah, just made her buckle. Right, exactly. Then and suddenly then, her whole worldview changes. Yeah, she'd be like, <gasps> you know, and, and just crying and the whole night. And it's and it's like, God, where does that ego come from? I don't even know. You know, not every girl was like that. All right, last night. Let me just oh, good. preface it by saying that there that's was, good. There know. was a lot of really, really other nice girls that were there. So, what is it about the springtime with the hormones? I mean, it's a scientific thing, right? 
as I've heard, there is scientific That's proof the behind all this. Because I have a theory. Yeah. My theory is just a counterbalance because the girls do seem to be more active and they seem to dress a little differently. I mean, of course, the weather has something to do with that, but they just seem to be a little bit like maybe more open, you know, with their physicality and their eye contact and everything. And just, I mean, it seems like collectively girls are just a little horny, you know? And I feel like somehow there's some chemical thing that I try to like counterbalance that with, because you know if you have any kind of if you see that why would you want to counterbalance that? Well, they're like, you know, they're like lions at this point. You know, they're really they're they're it's great it's great they're going out and they're trying to find cock, you know, and ostensibly and uh, yeah ostensibly at least and and. A lot of those girls last night were looking for badge. So okay, well that's your bar though. That's <laughs> there's nothing I can do about it, man. No, you know? know. They but, roll the way they roll down but, there. But my point is this: is that you know the worst thing you can do is as a guy is have a stench of desperation on you. Oh yeah, yeah, no. You uh, don't and want that, that. That's always true, but I think it's maybe even more true when the girl is even hot for some dick. I don't think they want it to be from a desperate guy. They want to find a guy that they are going to sort of conquer and get that cock. And that's their deal. That's my theory. So what I do is I, I increase my masturbation like two to threefold during the spring. So now I'm jacking off three to five times a day. And therefore, I think what that does to me is some sort of chemical. A, I just don't give quite as much of a shit about anything, <laughs> including getting laid. You know, because I have these moments of just being, you know, they call it the refractory period where you're just sated, you know, where you're just kind of good to go. Well, and I think that extends, you know, I think that's a perfect storm. Yeah, actually, because because then the first thing is that you're you're increasing the amount of hormones that your your genitals are producing. Right. Right. You know, so that's that's upping the pheromone level. Right. Okay. Which I know a lot of people would be like, oh, that's bullshit and everything. It's like, you know, as time goes on, uh, biology or biologists yeah. continue to retract the initial advances that have been made by psychiatry and psychology more in favor of biological responses right. such that we're, we're increasingly becoming to understand ourselves as uh, as as really not separate and apart egotistically from the universe, but actually slaves to it, just like any other animal. Yeah. Because we are. We, we put out pheromones. Yes. We put out, we are hormonal creatures. I think it's kind of obvious, and I think that it, it cycles around. And, and, you know, I mean, I received some of these research studies through Scramuza, yeah you know which that passes through a heavy filter and and but but oftentimes it's it's accurate and uh so you think your anyway, science you think I, your I, science think backs up my theory? I, think, I think you're yeah. increasing your pheromones uh-huh right but also at the same time I'm more relaxed because, because you're more relaxed mm-hmm. you don't care as much mm-hmm. and that in and of itself is incredibly attractive mm-hmm. because a girl is putting herself out there even it's a strange irony that that um, she's she's looking for somebody to be attracted to her 
Yeah. But the guy that is and moves in is oftentimes at a far greater disadvantage to the guy who doesn't give a shit at all. Exactly. Who who she has some kind of connection with. That's right. right? And if you're putting out that thing and it's and it's not a fake thing because there is a, there is a thing also of faking it overcompensating faking it and they sense that they sniff too. that shit out they sniff it out especially right. in the like, spring like oh you're you're pretending like you don't care exactly that's even worse than care guy than who cares. cares that's right. right exactly but the guy who genuinely who genuinely doesn't care yep. on any level and is like is like you know what i'm just perfectly content tonight to not go home with you as to go home with you is that's the guy that's going to win. Well, that's when you start. I mean, again, I could get there. I would like to get there just by solid mental, emotional health and, and having maybe just uh, uh, more of a, I mean, I really don't want this, but one could get there by just having like, just being a little more Zen. And that's not really what I'm looking for in my life. So I just, but, but you could get there by masturbating 10, 12 times a day. You could be, you could There's be. There's probably some, some passages in, in Buddhist philosophy that have to do with that. Yeah. I'm not versed in that. I'll have to look that up. But I, I, I bet there is, you know. Like, Our listeners like, should send that in. Just punch in, yeah, if there's anybody out there who could just like, you know, let us know what uh, the, the, the Buddhist take is on uh, frequency of masturbation. Yeah. One Please let us know. One, one, one side note on that, too, that, that it's always been a personal theory of mine, too, that's related to the masturbation. And I think I've probably told you this before. But it has to do with, and I would suggest you were giving, you, you laid out a dilemma the other day where you were telling me there's these four girls who you're interested in. problem with them is a lot of them were interested in you, but also maybe married or in various other No, two states of them are which is married. crazy, right? It's it's nuts. Like, what, right? I mean, nothing nothing drives me more crazy than that. Yeah, you know, I, it, it's it's just crazy. I'm like, and and look, man, I've been on the flip side of that, you know, where it's like the girls, you're flirt, we're together, you keep flirting with these girls when you're out. I'm like, I'm not flirting with it's somebody that I know, and I'm having a conversation. Right. With the whole jealousy thing, right? Right. But here's these girls, right? And and you know maybe this will provide a good way to get into the stories about the racetrack. You yeah, know? yeah. I mean, one of them happened at the racetrack. Yeah. And she just rolls up on me, and I'm looking at her, and I'm like, she, there's something going on, you know? There's a vibe. She she wants to talk to me. She's somebody that I know, not as an acquaintance even doesn't doesn't even rise to the level of an acquaintance. Yeah. It, it only rises to the level of a mild recognition of each other yeah. that we might travel in the same social circles. Right. right. But it was enough to that she got in line behind me waiting for a beer, you know, and, and that we got to talking. And, and I'm just talking to her. I'm like, God, she's really beautiful. And, and you know, and I'm having a good time talking to her. And there was some, there was some wit that right. was thrown in there. And it was nice. You know? Yeah. And I'm like, all right, man, I'm just going to like check it out. So to get home, you know, and I do the Facebook stalking thing, right? You know, so I get in there. Of course. And I'm like, I look, what's this girl? Oh, oh, she's married. Oh. Oh, wow. That's, that's, that's great. Did you friend her? <laughs> she, she, we're already, we're friends. We're already friends. You know? I guess not and, that good uh, of friends if you know she was married. 
I didn't know. Was she and wearing then, a hat? There was another one too who came by the bar, and it was like a similar yeah. thing. It's like we're having a great conversation. It's totally obvious that she's putting the body language out there and everything. Right. And even that one, you know, I described to you. I saw her the other night, and her husband is there. Right. Right. And and I'm like, hey, how you doing? And I gave her the obligatory New Orleans kiss goodbye, the kiss and the hug thing. And on the hug thing, she leans in with a full titty hug. Full titty hug. Not a half titty hug. No. It was a full on. Huh. And, and as you and I have talked about many, many times, this thing is uh, the withholding of the chest for the right. girl, man. is like, you know, and I know that like women are going to hear this and are going to be like, no, that is not a signal. Oh, but they do it. But it's so not true. You're you're wired that way, and you might not even know it. It, They're wired that way, and they might. That's it. Setting back feminism. To me, I swear to God, to you, it is so obvious here on our podcast. It's so obvious to me. Yeah. Every time, and and it's like, it's I I gauge it now based on that. I'm like, that girl hugged me, and it was it was clear that she was pulling away. Yeah. And did not want her breasts. To be felt by my chest, right? On at all, yeah. And and then there are other hugs that happen where her breasts come, come in fully, and are and and even she's pulling me in with her hands, like a, like a gravitational breast. And pull. and it seems like a very very calculated and intentional pull in, so that the breasts can be felt fully. Maybe it's a science fiction thing. Gravitational pull. I don't. I don't. I don't even know um, any any other way to describe it. But I call. You know, for me, it's like there's there's a no titty hug, there's a half titty hug, and there's a full titty hug. That's right. Even I would add maybe this full titty hug with extra emphasis on the pull in. Yeah. Where you can feel the hand. Right. Actively, you know, because sometimes it's like you get in there and they just squeeze their shoulders a little bit forward or or push their chest out a little bit. Right, but the one that's really the definitive one is when the hand goes behind you, and you right. feel the pressure of their hand yanking you in. Make certain that you feel that. Yeah, Jeff. Some people might define that as a hug. <laughs> you just described just the I, way you described it. You're like I described five like, different. Styles I know, but, I know, of but you're like there's this there's I, this thing in the world where a girl puts their hand on your their back and they pull you close. It's a hug. But 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 it's done with extra no, emphasis. I feel you. I'm and, the, and the whole thing, and you kidding. know what I'm talking about. I do. And I'm, it's I'm like joking. This. Like they can come up to you and do this. They can they can put their hands on your shoulder. Yeah. On your shoulder. Yeah. You know. Huh. And they pull you in and gently do like this. But there's all, there's they pull you in and you only feel the very top. See, the and rest. here's and where you and I differ. Too, where they this, there's the sideways one. Yeah. Like, a one-thirds hug yeah. like this. Oh, my God. And, and I, oh my God. I'm I, w- I just wish the listeners could see you doing the, you're miming these different hugs. It's I know, I'm miming stuff. them right now, but it's like one th- it's kinda, and, and so there's creepy. only one breast that comes in, and it barely gets there, and there's no cheek touch or anything like that, you know? But then, there's the full on. <laughs> With the gravitational pull. Dude, come on. Well, here's the thing, Jeff. I, I, I honestly, I haven't noticed. You think that's just a hug? No, I'm kidding. Just, it's just funny the way you were describing the hand. You're, you lost your mic there. Um, no, I, don't, I, I understand, and I say I've never broken down those kind of levels of, of 
because I'm a vagina man and I'm always thinking about where the vagina is. Well, so vagina I, 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 I factor into the hug. I sure it does. I can, you think it does? I can tell you. I could sit here if we had is time. A hundred ways that the that the the hips, the hips go and yeah. contact you absolutely. And how, yeah, I can yes. give you, yes. I could yes. sit here, if this was a video, I would just, I would mind them all for the viewers. But hey, before we move on to the track, if you're ready to move off from that. Sure. Um, that the low, late levels of breast hugs. Um, I just, I had a tip for people because this is something that I do and I think it's pretty unique to me and it has to do with. Joel's tip of the week. Dating and, 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 and masturbating and when I'm thinking about dating somebody, I'm just not sure. You know, there's obviously there's some there's some obvious interest mutually decided upon between the two parties. Maybe I've gone out on a date or two dates or whatever. Maybe we've even had sex a couple times, so I know what the vagina looks like. But there's that point where you know, at some point where I'm making a decision: mm -hmm. Do I want to call her for the date? Do I want to continue dating her? Do I want to move in with her? Whatever it is, you know. And I'm just trying to gauge whether or not how much I like this girl. And what I do is I masturbate to her, right? So I'm her, she's my visual, and I, so I got her in there, and I masturbate right after I'm done orgasming. Like the second I'm done, I ask myself, would I want to hang out with her right now? In this moment where I don't give a fuck about sex, it's the last thing that my body physiologically is even considering or wanting because I'm in my refractory period right at the beginning. And then there's levels of that, you know, like uh, if she was knocking at my door right now, would I answer the door? If the answer is no, I probably don't want to ask her on a date. If the answer is no and we're dating, I probably, you know, I'm not going to move in with her, obviously. Right. And sometimes it takes you because relationships yeah, can be confusing. Just, and this is like a, sex? this is an empirical, because sex, I love sex. And no, I, no, but I, I mean, what about if you just wanted to have? Why well, wouldn't you mean right after I've had my orgasm? I mean, it's impossible in that first couple seconds. So sex isn't even a, a question because, as defined by the refractory period, where a man cannot have a sex just after he's had an orgasm. Sure. Look, I have a short for the ladies listening. I have a very small refractory period. I'm ready to go again in about a minute. But within those couple of seconds. So you know that Joel Jackson is a stud. Just so you know, I can go with the multiple <laughs> orgasm thing. I pride myself on that. I'm a, uh, I'm a, I'm a giver. I'm uh, a giver. You're a giver. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and so, but it's just in those, the, the, see, those are, it's, it could be called the refractory monologues. And it's all about what is, what do I, it's enlightening about how I think in those five seconds. Because it's like empirical data, you know, because all the confusion about a girl goes out the window. So, but, but I guess what it means is that if you, what you're saying is that when it happens, it, this happens when you're masturbating. And so what I want to know is, does, is this a litmus test for whether you would have sex with the girl? And, and no, I mean, no. Are there, are there, are there circumstances? It's not. It's not. It's, not. It's, more, it's, it's more about whether I like her than whether I want to have sex with her. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Because right. the answer could right. be no to all these questions. And she, you still want to get with her. I still want to get with her. Right. Because I'm motivated by sex. Right. Now, except when I'm in this moment. So when I'm making a decision about, do I like this girl? And even if the, even if the answer is no, I still may go out on the date because I'm motivated by sex. Potentially. You know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and, and, and that motivation might trick me into thinking that I like her 
you know? And that's where that kind of confusion when you're not quite sure how you feel about somebody comes in. So if I ever want, it's almost like, hey, it's like when you flip a coin and you're like, oh, you want to make a decision and supposedly when the coin's in the air, you can, you really know what you want. You know what I mean? Mm. That's that old trick. I don't think that's bullshit. This is much better than that, by the way. Just when it comes in, in relationships because it's, you're completely free and clear of sexual want at that moment. So the only thing you're judging in that five seconds after you come, when you're by yourself, is whether or not you like hanging out with her. Because the answer is, I wouldn't want to hang out with her right now. I can't imagine hanging. And it doesn't have to be like she has to be in my bed. You can use your imagination. Right now, the way I feel this second, would I want to hang out with her at the track? Would I want to hang out with her at the movies? Would I want to be having dinner with her? Would I want to be cooking dinner with her? Right now, the way that I feel. And if the answer is no, 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 probably don't want to date this girl. Yeah. You might go ahead and have sex or you maybe you've already, but, but that, that's... Well, this is really Joel's tip of the week right here. That's right. Isn't it? That's it. Yeah. And this is for guys that are out there who are maybe a little confused and yes. need a little bit of guidance and to inject a little bit more meaning into their masturbatory. And it's a, it's a good tip of the week. I hope I didn't blow my wad on this one, pardon the pun. Well, that's excellent. Now, I think we should talk a little bit more at this point about some New Orleans stuff. That's right. You know, maybe last and, uh, weekend. What yeah, we'll talk about last weekend, and then we got like one or two other topics, you know, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. Yeah, but yeah. last weekend was a banner weekend. We had the Louisiana Derby at the racetrack. We had the Final Four in town, too, but Louisiana Derby, a much more local thing. But we had these people camp coming in from, it's a little weird. I had visitors who were New Orleans people, then I had non-New Orleans people who had never been here. And so you never know, know quite what they're going to think about the kind of stuff you try and show them. You know, and so we had a couple friends of mine who came in who were going to the finals, and they brought this dude along who's like a sales director at CBS who puts on the final four, who had hooked us up all with tickets. So we got this dude, I don't, you know, like a corporate, corporate killer dude who uh, is hanging out in Bayou St. John, like by my house, and we're going down to the track, and we're telling these guys, we've been telling them all along, hey, it's Super Sunday. This is this Mardi Gras Indian thing? over on Bayou St. John, and it was, uh, had been scheduled to take place this last Sunday, same day as the track, and so we were going to go by there before we went to the track, before we went to the Derby, because it's about six blocks away from each other, and, uh, you know, you know, we don't have to get into what Super Sunday is, but the one thing is that it, because uh, we're going to get into it in a couple weeks, because Super Sunday is going to be in a couple weeks, because it wasn't next week, because it wasn't last week. Mid-City Super Sunday. Mid, I'm sorry, Mid-City that happens on Bayou St. John. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah, right. yeah, exactly. There's a debate about whether there's the, more than one that's Super true. Sunday. That's true. Right. The, the, yeah. the, the true, definite, unequivocal Super Sunday has already happened. The, the Bayou St. John gathering, we'll call it, you know, that, that, that happens in the spring, there, it had been scheduled. I don't know how these things get scheduled, but people were talking about it being on. And then the, the, the history is that... Is that it's almost never the weekend they say it's going to be. It always gets moved around, and it could be. Typically, it's weather-related, but it's either too hot or too windy because they wear these big headdresses or it's going to rain. But it was perfect weather, so we felt like this is going to be a magical day. We're going to go see some engines, and then we're going to go over to the track. The whole point of that setup is we had a really funny, like, only in New Orleans moment, you know, because we're walking from my house, which is a couple blocks from the bayou, and you're kind of getting over there, and it's feeling a little too quiet. And you're just looking for any kind of sign. There's like eight of us and six, you know, five of us in our group have been through this experience many times. And no, none of our friends have been over there yet to text us if anything was going on. 
you're really just kind of crossing your fingers, and it's really going to kind of make the difference in your day, sort of, you know? It's kind of like big reveal moment. And then we see a U-Haul truck. You know, we're about a block from the bayou now where we're, we're going to be able to look both ways, but we see a U-Haul truck. I'm like, holy shit, that's a good sign, you know, because... Yeah, they have their headdresses in the back, and that's what they're going to be pulling out, and they're going to be getting ready. Yeah, these headdresses yeah. are so big and they're heavy. Huge. They have to be hauled. Huge. They have to be hauled. So you see all these the chief and this it's the chief's uh, costume. So we're we're kind of psyched, and then we creep up around the corner, and a couple dudes are moving furniture out the thing. And it's like I, I turn to Jesse, and I'm like, only in New Orleans is the sight of two men pulling furniture out of a U-Haul a terrible disappointment. You know what I mean? Otherwise, it's not. It's a nondescript moment. Well, it's nothing. Like, it's nothing. Yeah, you don't pay attention to it. But we're just all. like, oh, and our oh. visitors are like, what's wrong? They're like, the dude's moving a coffee table out of the U-Haul. What, you, you don't have eyes? Fuck. <laughs> you know? They're like, why, why is that? It was just a really funny moment. And then right. we went up there, and that was nothing happening. So yeah. it's, it got rescheduled for April 15th. Interesting. But uh, so then we went on to the track. Now, how was your day? It was the Louisiana Derby, final day of the year, biggest race of the year with the Derby, uh, and it was extra crowded before I kick it over because because of the final four had two Kentucky-based teams, Louisville and Kentucky. It's about I don't know twice as crowded by the end of the day as as, I, as I've seen it. Yeah, there were a lot of there were a lot of cane talks running around there for yeah. sure. You know, and uh, yeah, th- there's no doubt about it. But for me. What was an interesting thing was that uh, you had your group of people, and uh, so me kind of being a, a you know a nascent railbird um, yeah. had gotten out amongst that group. You know, Jesse Shows was in town. Yeah. Your buddy from Portland was really interested in doing some betting. Yeah, and that was his dad that was with him as his well. His dad right? was PK. And P- yeah, yeah, exactly. He seemed to handle himself, but he knew what he was doing. PK. Uh, yeah, I've yeah, got a PK. funny story for you about that. Okay. Well, well, anyway, yeah, yeah, so yeah. Uh, so but. But then everyone's like, you know, oh, you know, Jeff goes to the track, you know, and he knows how to do right. bets and everything, you know, and he's going to, uh, uh. so, uh, but there was also, there was this chick that I was hanging out with, you know, yeah. at the time, and and then uh, Scramuza, my business partner, yeah. was there, and, and that whole crew, so I'm like, just social butterflying back and forth between these three groups, man, the yeah. whole day, y'all probably didn't see it as much, yeah. you know, but... Um, the great thing about the track is that the back and forth between Absolutely. the paddock uh, allows, yes, dude, man, if if you want to do this, is the perfect opportunity. Like, like for instance, if you if you had three chicks going at one time, yes, I know you where you're going with at, this. You could be at the track and you could manage all of them, dude. Without either girl knowing this is like a room simply because because right. you'd be like this. You you just be like, I gotta go bed. And That's you're like, right. wow, it's, a, it's an imperative, and I don't want to fuck with it, because there's this, like, sacred tradition Jane, of betting and doing this. I, I always really, watch at the like finish line. you're up to the second level. But listen, Jane, I always watch at the finish line. Sarah, I always watch inside the grandstand. That's right. And that's right. where you'll find me. Right. There, there it is. There it is. Right. It's a romantic exactly. comedy. Right. It's, it's Screwball. It's a romantic screwball comedy. It's a rom-com ball. That's right. That's right. Rom-com ball. So, so anyway... Um, that that was an interesting aspect of it. Is just like you know, and it was fun having you guys there. You yeah. Because uh, you know the guys that were like, oh, they were you know enamored of being at a new track and everything, and that it was such a prestigious day. Yeah. Being that being that it's the the closing day of the, of the track and all that stuff. Gorgeous track. And, uh, yeah, and it's great. And uh, 
And then, of course, you know, it was capped off uh, by this incredible experience, you know. And again, it's just like only in New Orleans fucking lunacy right. down here that uh, Jesse Shows comes in and secretly he's been, uh, you know, taking advice from people and everything. He's but never won a race in his life. Never won a race in his life. And before the race, he said this to me. I'm not kidding. He said, this is, and, and of course, everybody has these platitudes that they do. <laughs> right. Some race or something like that. Right. But, you know, it lives in infamy because it turned out to pay big dividends for him. Yeah. And uh, he's standing there and he says, this is going to be the race that's going to make up for everything else today. Right. And boy, he fucking did it. Yeah. Because the... Russian owned and trained by this owner trainer Dorachenko guy who has only this year selected the fairgrounds to be the place where he's going to like showcase his horses. Yeah. Which, by the way, he always buys on the cheap. Right. right. I read up on this guy after the race was over with. He runs his horse. It is the longest long shot in the entire race. Yes, it's, it's a bigger long shot than even the, the the antiquated digital boards, whatever they are out there, can handle. Right, because it's above one hundred to one. It goes off at one hundred and nine to one. It's funny because we all thought it was ninety nine to one when Jesse. Well, of course, because that's as high as the. And Jesse didn't even game. know he's such a bad better. He didn't not bad, just misinformed guy. He didn't even realize or drunk. He didn't know it was one oh one oh nine. Well, no, he no, thought it was he 99. Because he comes back and he's like, I want even more money than I thought. <laughs> they paid you know, me $20 exactly. paid too me much. They $20 more. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, it's hilarious. And, uh, it was a $2 time, bet. So. Is he made a $2 bet and the horse went off at 109 to 1 and that fucking horse won. <sighs> Unbelievable. I had it a... was, And it was in the Louisiana Derby, the premier race of the day. It just could not have been a more storied moment. God. And if the, if the sport of Kings... Was was bigger on a spectator and 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 a TV ratings level, you know, it would have been the story of the week. Absolutely, in sporting man. It should, right? It really was the most amazing uh, come from behind. Although the only thing I'll say is it's a Russian trainer. Okay? Yeah, that was something sketchy. Right? And I'm not, you know, that's something. Completely completely sketchy about that. It's, no question there's some sort of fix in on that. I hope no this doesn't cause any, like, I hope question. it doesn't cause, like, Russian mafia to try and to, take me out. To shut down our internet because, connection. Uh, <laughs> or to, like, attack us with viruses right. as a result of saying this. But this is the one thing I know for sure. Yeah. If I see, you know, Smilnonyev <laughs> or, or Mendachenko right. or some freaking anything that smacks of anything that is at, near, or just to the freaking west of or east of the Ural Mountains, right. I am freaking betting on that shit, man. And you just because didn't see it? No, I, no, I didn't Because there's no reason to look at that horse. There's no reason to look at that horse. Which is why it was level. so... And the uh, horse was like surging at the end. Like, well, well, he perhaps was, it was on something like the equivalent. He was in the... That, that, horse, was, like that horse was in the top maybe three, meth. maybe meth. That horse was in the top three the whole race. So he, I mean, he came out. It was leading. Yeah, yeah. Even like way back, like half. You never the see race. a horse like that, particularly an underdog, lead from start to finish. Dude. And my two horses had an exact on came in second and third. No, you so never I got see a long screwed. shot like, like pacing out in front. Right. 
and surging at the end right. to win. No, there's definitely some drugs involved. There's some. I mean, something's going on. I'm surprised. I, I just mean, can't believe it. The, the great thing about New Orleans is that you know that next Monday, that race was the top story above the Final Four, which is a huge, obviously national event. I just love the fact that the Times Picayune has the balls to put the Derby above the the national championship basketball game in the paper. It's a big deal. It in is. New Orleans, you but, know? And, but 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 horse racing lives in the city. Um, on a level that that it really doesn't in, in other cities, you know. Absolutely, I mean, it's alive even in New York City. But you would figure going to the Aqueduct. This is how big it is in New Orleans. That if you went to the Aqueduct, that it's like it's New York City, man. I mean, proportionally, the population's so much bigger. The yeah. crowds are gonna be that much bigger. Wrong. Yeah. When you go to the Aqueduct, the crowds are about the same as yeah. they are at the, at the fairgrounds. You know, and I mean, you're talking about a city right now where. You know, the entire regional population is like 1.3 million or 1.1 or something like that. Yep. You know, it's like we're dwarfed by this gigantic freaking metropolis up there. Yep. And yet our track is like pulling in as many and even more. Oh, I would say know? definitely. I mean, just from the times, anecdotally speaking, I would say that for sure from the times I've been up there versus sure. here. I mean, one of the reasons I moved into this house in Bayou St. John is because the proximity six blocks to the track. Right there. And I'm not even a horse guy, you know. I just I love I love how it feel. I love the culture, the subculture. The whole the whole subculture. The fact there's a cross mix of people there is it's great people watching. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The people watching is amazing. The whole the whole thing with the jockeys and the horses and it's like why would you you know I mean as betting goes, you know what could be more thrilling? I yeah. mean at least you're betting on on. I mean, I suppose there are things, you know, but it's it's just a great feeling. You're outside, yeah, right. You're watching these great beasts, you know. They're being captained by these little guys, and they're just running as fast as they freaking can. And you, when you're looking for things in the paddock, like, has did that horse just take a dump? You're like, that's Ooh. right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh look, he's look. It's a big, strong flow of piss. That's right. You know? Wow, that's that's so. You're looking awesome. at the ankles, and you're looking at the, the uh, tape. You're looking good. at yeah. Look at the muscles. As, the as the ass mu- even the ass muscles. I always look at the oh, ass muscles. Oh, he's tall. <laughs> look at it. it's a tall horse. Gre- Greifersing was uh, uh, gray horses run good in the mud. I'm like, huh? Right, and then as often as not, you get some freaking railbird next to you. He's like, he's like, never bet on the gray. <laughs> right. Never bet on the gray. The grays lose. We had this. Uh, what you call him, a railbird? We had him yeah. lean in on, on PK. Cause that's PK, what my dad says. P, that's He's great. The railbird. He leaned yeah. in. He's like, what he said when he heard the story was, that's luck better than sense. That's luck more than sense. And what it was was PK, my buddy from out of town, and you mentioned like, kind of how he knew what he was doing. He goes up to the electronic betting thing, and he makes his bets. And uh, he made like six bets, you know, and he like, really looked like he knew what he was doing. You know, later, though, I explained to him exactas and stuff like that because he didn't know. He was doing a bunch of win place and shows. Mm-hmm. And we go out to the track, and he hits. He hits like a place on a 10 to 1 or something like that, you know, on a $5 bet. And he was going to win something like 25 bucks. And uh, he goes up to the thing with his car. This is the first race we were there. And he goes up, and the woman's like, darling, you realize this is for Pim- Pimlico and not the fairgrounds. This is a different track. <laughs> different track and thank god he held on to all of his other tickets because you know most people would have just taken the one winning ticket and thrown the other ones in he said well ma'am can you just check all these for me one of his other bets came in at the other at track Pimlico. 
and he won like yeah. 35 bucks. Which, which this is insane. Which the so funny, funny thing about it is like the very first screen that comes up yeah. is the most distinctive one. That's right. It actually is the easiest screen to understand because it's like right. it just has a listing of the tracks. You know, so like how he got the Pimlico, the I don't funny know. Thing in is, order, they are. And the know? funny thing is, at one point he's like, come on, Pimlico, because he thought his horse was named Pimlico. Because <laughs> that's what it said on his ticket. Great, it said for man. the track. That's great. It's classic, man. <laughs> and but still, those are the experiences that you want to have at the better, track, you know? Better luck than sense. Right, better luck than sense. <laughs> Jesse shows walking away with $220 on a $2 bet on the long shot of the race. Silently doing it without letting anyone know. Exactly. Right? And being the guy to like, oh, and then of course also losing at disc golf. I honestly think he was surprised by it. I want to get to that. Yeah, I think he was surprised when he won. He was looking through his tickets. He was like, holy shit. I think as 12 was coming around, he didn't realize it. He didn't realize till after the race that he had picked that long shot. Right, right. And that was swell. But yeah, then afterwards we go out to play a round of disc golf. Well, he, he, he got really, he started bragging big. He started bragging big, and then he goes out, and we're all going. We had, again, all these visitors, so not, not everyone had disc. And the, the, the course is just half mile from the track. Right. So we go over there, and the guy that's normally out there selling disc is not there. So Jesse's just throwing his money around, and there's a couple guys coming off the course. He's like, hey, I'm going to buy some disc off you. You know? He just, ah, this guy's personal bag. So he buys like three or four discs for everyone, which is great. You know, he's, he's flush. He's feeling strong. Mm-hmm. And uh, PK, on the second hole, throws one of the discs right into the lagoon. Right? And Jesse, this is nasty water. And this is where Jesse went from winner to loser in a matter of about half an hour. And it's just based on... It, Luck and decisions. The dude was suddenly so worried about he couldn't he he could not get over the fact that that fifteen dollar disc went in the water after two holes, and he he did that thing where he, I'm only going to go into the water for like a half foot, and then he does the thing. Well, I'm going to go to my knees because I'm about to find this disc. He ends up going up like nipple high. Oh my god! <laughs> Some gross, nasty water. Oh my god. It was the funniest thing. I mean, every we were just all rolling over, man. Just well, well, let me ask you a question. When you're nipple high, that might be exactly, an exaggeration. How exactly, if you did feel it with your feet, yeah. How, how then do you retrieve it? You go, you go ear high. <laughs> you mean you go all the way in? I was, I was in. probably exaggerating. He was probably just under nipple high, but still. Interesting. Uh, it was. It got to the point where it was, we were laughing, and then I, it looked like it was just like a train wreck. I couldn't even look at him anymore. Kind of felt bad. Well, there but, you go, uh, man. Good, good weekend yeah. in New Orleans, man. That's for sure. I know we didn't get to uh, one of your old stories. Maybe we save that for next time. High school, sweetheart. I can of... tell it very quickly. All right, let's, do it. So let's close off on this now. So, all right, so there was a girl that I liked in high school, and I can't tell you that it, it was never reciprocated. Yeah. You know? And... Uh, but I was just like really enamored of her, but it wound up being one of those things where it's like, oh, you're my friend. Right. That are not really sexually frustrating. Yeah. You know? Obviously, probably leads to a lot of the issues that I have now. Right. And uh, anyway, so um, <laughs> hilarious thing is that there's this little bar by my house, and there's this police officer that hangs out there. Yeah. And as uh, uh, fate is wont to do in New Orleans, 
we got to talking, and this guy's like, yeah, I went to Romo High School, and I graduated in 1989. And I said, I graduated from Romo High School in 1989. I said, oh, man, you know, how do we know each other? We have all these mutual acquaintances and friends and everything that we know. So I started talking to this guy. He pulls out his phone, and he's, like, showing these pictures. He's like, yeah, man, you know, I got these, like, photos that people scanned on Facebook. Yeah. Of uh, prom pictures okay. from like junior prom, nineteen eighty eight. Wow! And I said, "No shit, man! What do you got?" <laughs> what do you got? It goes through it, and there's me uh-huh. with her. Okay. Right, and I'm like, "What the fuck is? How do you have a photo of me, man, and her?" And he's like, "I don't know, man. Somebody tagged this, and it was tagged nineteen eighty nine Romo High School, right? And that's why it's on my site too. You know, Facebook. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't weird or anything. Sure. And uh." And I'm like, well, that, I said, that's Anne Marie. What do you know? Anyway, so the other night I was in there. I was having a cocktail. And like he, and he was in there. And so I'm talking to him. And he's like, yeah, you know. And he's like, he's like, he's like yeah, like that girl that was in that picture. Somehow, somehow it came up. And, and so we were just, we were talking about her. Yeah. Right? And I, and I told him. I said, yeah, man. I said, she, she fucking lives in Chicago now. And I'm like, you know, I was like, you know, I'm like, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like. You, you're just a kid, you know. It's like I, I didn't know how to like really tell her what I felt at that time yeah. in my life and all this. It's just all stupid now, and that's what I told him. It's just, yeah. it's just stupid because you're you're a kid and it doesn't matter. Gosh, you know? but you're molded by those moments. I know unfortunately. you. Unfortunately, yeah, I know. Unfortunately, you are right. Exactly, mm-hmm. and I'm like, whatever it was, it never became romantic, you know. Yeah. Because Really, it was because of, like my attraction to her was not reciprocated on sure. the same level. It's a typical story. So anyway, uh, we're talking about it. It's like, yeah, but you know, I know these guys, and oh, I know what precipitated is that somebody he knows uh, was like they got married and they had known each other for a long time, but they had split apart, and then they got married again, and they they were high school sweethearts. Blah right. blah blah. And he's like, yeah, you should get in touch with her. And, uh, I was like, ah, oh, you're totally crazy, man. I'm like, she lives in Chicago. She married some guy, man. He's like way older than her now. Huh. You know? And uh, You know what, can I just interject? And, yeah. He he married the, he, that's the reason guys like us get with younger girls. It's because of those girls that yeah. rejected us in high school. I, so he, he she, she found him somebody who, he had right. been rejected yes. 20 years before. Dude. It's vicious cycle. Just before I came here. Yeah. This is why the story has to be on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Just before I came here. Yes. I was at Bacchanal. Okay. Getting some nice. Some ceviche. Yeah, nice place. Right. We got to talk Bacchanal, about that next great, time. Man. Yeah. Some ceviche mm-hmm. and a white wine, and I'm sitting there. Two days ago, I'm talking about this girl, and she walks in. Get the fuck out of here. She walks in with her husband. This was an hour and a half ago. Two hours ago. An hour and a half ago. I, I was just... That serendipitous wow. kind of living happens so often in this fucking town. Yep. And people, I just want you to know, if you're listening or if you even freaking care, the woman lives in Chicago now. She's in town for like two days. Yep. Well, then, of course, it turns into a Larry David moment. Oh no! So you guys start talking. So I, I go, Anne Anne Marie. Her name's Anne Marie. Right. Anne Marie. So I stand up. I give her a hug. 
course, this husband guy is there. He doesn't know who's this guy. You know, what are you, some guy? You used to bang my wife. Or whatever. Right. You know, you know how it is, right? Yeah. That's what he's thinking immediately. Of course he is. Right. He's wired that way. Right. Exactly. And uh, so, so they're talking, and uh, we have a little banter, and she's like, "Yeah, well, we're gonna go get familiar with the place, and then you know, we'll we'll come back over and like ask you for some recommendations." You know. Uh, so, uh, so then my buddy, uh, he's a French guy who plays uh, music. He comes over, yeah, and he sits down, and he starts talking to me, but I'm eyeballing them as they're walking around because I'm like. I'm finished with what I'm doing, and should I leave? You know, I'm ready to go, man. And yeah. I got to get here to do the podcast. Right. And time's running out. Right. And uh, so anyway, they're they're like walking around and getting familiar with the place. And I they stop for a second, and I see that they're like talking to each other, and like the decision has been made. Like, yeah, eh, we're gonna go sit off on our own. Uh huh. We're gonna sit over here uh-huh. by ourselves. You know. And I was kind of like, oh, this is socially awkward. Uh-huh. Because, you know, you had said that you're going to come over here and talk for a minute. I'm not expecting you to. Like to catch just, up, because you haven't even caught up. up. You haven't even caught up at this point. We haven't caught that up. strange. So then they go off, and I'm like, this is really fucking, that's really weird, man. Now, do you even have social license to leave without going over and saying something. I mean, you really you know kind of don't. Did at that point, as I said, you know what? That you did the wrong thing. Yeah. From a social standpoint. I said you did for me. Sure. I'm like you did the wrong thing. Okay? Cuz I was already leaving and it, this this catching up and that would have taken like 5 minutes. Yep. It's nothing. Right. But instead, you decided to commit a social faux pas. That's right. And you know how I take that? You split. Yeah. And I just said, you know what? I'm not going to say goodbye to you now. Right. Because, because you're making me feel uncomfortable, like I'm imposing. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, you did that. You did all that. Just like that. Some things haven't changed since high school. It's just, they you're, haven't. You're, you just have a better ability to articulate them and understand them. I understand them more clearly and with, 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 uh, with great understanding yeah. and truth. That's right. Right, exactly. That's right. And you got if we so, would have just had that when we were seventeen years old, instead of everything just kind of semi crushing you. Instead. No, I no, I would have sat around, you know, like hours, like wondering, like what happened. But in, during that time, you would there would have been you would have been like tormented. You know what yeah, I mean? totally. I, no, I would have been completely tormented. Right. And all that, and it never would have occurred to me to say, "Fuck well, off." Right. I don't even care that I haven't seen you in freaking eight years. Yeah. And that we had this relationship. And that serendipitously, the odd, the totally odd freaking thing that like yeah. this happened, you know, but it's like that little We'd, weird we, social faux pas that just happened. Yeah. That, that's like, well, I mean, what is it like? Because you, I'm here by myself and I'm sitting here. It's like, come on, what the fuck, man? You know, you're in New Orleans. Okay. That's what fucking people do. Yep. You guys that's t- what people do. And that's what people, if you're listening, you need to understand when you come here. That, that aloofness thing that goes on in other places in the country, it doesn't play no. in New Orleans. It doesn't play at all. Yeah. You got you to just leave that shit at the door and then roll into town and understand, figure it out some kind of way. That's yeah. what you got to do. Understand social contracts are important. If you social. say, 
If you've been entered into an agreement by saying, I'm going to come talk to you, then you do that. You don't break it. You don't break it. That's right. Well, that's a great story, man. That's an unbelievable serendipity, and it's just really funny that it all worked out that way. You know, after you've been kind of kicking her around in your head a little bit over the last couple of days. Yeah, like two, like literally like really... the night before. It was How... last night. Is it, uh, is it too, uh, what am I, what's the word I'm looking for? Shit, I'm ruining the podcast right here at the end. Uh, too stereotypical for me just to ask her how she looking. I, I'm no comment. I'm not going to comment on that. Really? No, she looks great. Oh, good. She looks great. Good. How old is this guy? Man, he's got to be like, he looks like 60. Wow. Sugar daddy. She's like 39. Yeah, yeah. I think she was like a year younger than me. Uh Uh-huh. You know, so she's like 39. Wow. It's got to be a sugar daddy thing. Good for him. Good for him. Good for him, man. Yeah, he's just making up for his lost times, too. That's all. Well, cool. This was fun. Our first podcast. I think it was. It went went pretty long, but seemed seemed fun. How long do you think this was? I'm guessing an hour and thirty to an hour. Wow, damn, man, that's that's a lot. It might not well, be quite that. We have a lot to that. talk about. Man. Yeah, yeah. And it's you know, that's what podcasts are for. You just you know throw out some banter. Thanks for listening. Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll be back real soon. All right, we're out. We got outro music. We'll have that.